question for you, young lady. Every one of the kids in this house is happy except for you. Why is that? No, What's your problem? Stop it! All I can say is that my life is very complicated. I'm sorry, but I didn't get half of what you said. This is a Royal Canadian Movie Podcast Independent Investigation. Hey there, and welcome to the RCMP. That's the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. I'm your host today, Becky Shrimpton, and this week I am sitting down with filmmaker Colin Friesen to talk about his directorial debut, Sorry for Your Loss. It's a comedy, and uh, from what you're going to hear in this interview, Colin is a really funny guy. He spent a while working as a story editor on Schitt's Creek. He's written a bunch of other feature films, but this time he's like, I'm going to get behind the camera and make a movie, and that's what he did, and that movie is Sorry for Your Loss. It stars Justin Bartha, Kevin McDonald, Bruce Greenwood, Lolita Davidovich, um, so it's a stacked cast, and uh, it follows Justin Bartha's character, who's a new dad, and his own father passes away, whom he he was estranged from, and he goes to the funeral and finds out that he can inherit a good amount of money, but he has to do something first. And he learns a little bit about himself, learns a little bit about his dad. It's a story I think a lot of people can relate to. So without further ado, here's my interview with Colin Friesen. Hello, is this Colin? It is. Hey, Who's this? It is Becky Shrimpton <laughs> from the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. I believe you expected my call. I was indeed. And uh, might I say you have a very great broadcasting voice. <laughs> Thank you very much because nobody wants a broadcasting voice ever anymore. I'm completely screwed. It's great. <laughs> no, no, I I have one too. I can I uh, as a as a former professional news person-y kind of thing, I, uh, I, can, I, I can drop down into that gear if I absolutely have to. It's like, yes, live at the base of the inferno. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually something I wanted to talk to you about because you started out as a broadcaster and then you went, I'm in the middle of Alberta. We're talking about cows. This is horrible. I'm going to sell everything and go to L.A. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, working as the Lethbridge correspondent for uh, the CBC. Lethbridge is a uh, small little town just south of Calgary. Well, not a small town, it's a city. And uh, I got sent out on an assignment. It was 30 below. There was a, a, a couple of uh, school buses had crashed into a truck carrying a bunch of cows in a fog bank, and then three other cars hit them. And I got out there and I was waiting for my cameraman to arrive and I'm wandering through the fog in 30 below weather watching farmers walk around with rifles shooting maimed cows on the side of the road. And I thought, you know what, film school. I think I'm going to go to film school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it, 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 it's all copy, as a very famous woman once said. So I just decided to, to chuck it all and apply to the American Film Institute. And my check cleared and they let me in. And uh, the rest, as they say, is varying degrees of history. And you're from Winnipeg originally. And then you found yourself in Lethbridge, like all good Winnipegans do. They jump one province over <laughs> um, and, and then they're good to go. But like you guys have a really proud, rich history of very weird comedy in the best possible way. I mean, most of the kids in the hall are from there. You've got Guy Madden. You've got John Pays. It's weird. And your new Ooh, movie... John Pays shout out. Nicely done. Dude, Nicely done. Crime Wave is the best. And you gotta... And you like you oh, give him all oh. the best stuff from uh, from the kids in the hall. That's all him, right? All the directorial weird visuals. Oh, that's true, too. I totally forgot about that. But yeah, Crime Wave was one of the first Canadian movies that I ever saw that made me go, oh, you can do something in Canada that's not just a you know, a service production transplanted American thing where you see the boom mic in the shot all the time. It was uh, it was like, holy cow, this guy is sick and weird and twisted, and I absolutely love it. 
Totally. And then you see Guy Madden do the exact same thing. And you're like, this is the man who gave a sissy boy slap party. <laughs> and I am not offended by that. <laughs> yeah, Guy Madden is, a, is a, for me, uh, an amazingly talented artist. But uh, there are times when I just don't get it. I'm like, okay, I know you're a genius. But you're operating at a level so far above my ability to comprehend and appreciate. I'm just going to sit back and, <laughs> and try to not say anything offensive. Which is interesting because your film uh, is also very dark. I know not everybody is going to get it because you're dealing with like seriously wry, wry, dry humor. Do you think that comes from the prairies? Where do you think that comes from? That's a really interesting question. And now as I buy time, while I think of a reason good <laughs> Yeah, I think comedies with actual jokes, I don't think they tend to age as well as stuff that's, you know, uh, maybe wry is the word you use, but, you know, stuff that comes from character, stuff that comes from like the flawed individuals that, that, that we are. And I'm not sure if it's a prairie thing. I think it is. I think it's part, part of my, maybe even it's the Mennonite upbringing. Uh, that I suffer through and I'm recovering from on a daily basis. But, you know, you don't, you never say something mean about somebody or cruel or cutting, you know, you, you find a much more subtle way to stick the knife in because it wouldn't be very Christian to be hypercritical in an open way. However, you know, the, the Mennonite tradition or the prairie tradition is to, you know, find a way around it and, you know, sort of slash the tires when no one else is looking. I, who knows what, what the stew is that makes any of us what we are at, at the end of days. You know, it's just the way we popped out the shoot, I guess. Nature versus nurture. This, this conversation has taken an odd turn. I will be the first to admit that, and that is my fault. I Let's go back somewhere. We'll be fine. Totally cool. I'm not too worried about it. Well, I do want to bring you into, uh, you've got Justin Bartha, who is kind of like the king of rye and dry. And like, I mean, the hangover, that's how they use him is his, his like very dry deliveries. Did you know right away when you were writing this that that's who you would you would want as your lead? No. Let's default into honesty mode here, shall Please we? Please do, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wrote this movie. I had no one specifically in mind for it. Uh, it was just, okay, these are characters that sort of, you know, lived and evolved in my head and then eventually became the, you know, the things that you saw on the page. And because it's a Canadian production, we had to find a somewhat bankable American star. So I sat down and talked to probably five or six American actors who would mean enough uh, to the marketplace that we could get the extra money we needed to actually finish this thing and uh, sat down with Justin and he was the guy we went with. He was, uh, you're right, he has, he, he has this gear in his acting repertoire and it's a, it's a fairly easy one for him to drop into, which was absolutely terrific for me. And then the rest of the cast too, I mean, you're working with some pretty remarkable people. Like you got Bruce Greenwood and you got Kevin McDonald. Uh, your female cast is all awesome. How did everybody sort of get on board? This is your first feature. I mean, I know it's all beg, borrow, and steal, but like walk me through this <laughs> You do. It is all beg, borrow, and steal. Um, we got it to Bruce Greenwood and uh, we had a lovely casting agent that we were working with down here and I we were talking about a Canadian for that part uh, and I you know Bruce's name came up and I said yeah let's go to him and she said oh you'll never get him he, he, everybody wants him for Canadian projects and he just won't do any of them and so we sent him the script and he said come out to my mansion he has a mansion I hope he doesn't mind my saying that it's a very very large house because he has been in every movie ever made since the 1970s and we sat around for a day and uh, looked at the ocean and he played a lot of music on uh, on his guitar because he is really just a frustrated musician who slums at acting. And uh, he agreed to do it. And then we were sort of off to the races. 
uh, when we were having trouble casting the part of Eve, Justin Bartha's mother in this movie, uh, he said, well, what about Lolita Davidovich? And I said, yeah, we could never get her. She's really busy, you know, doing all sorts of other stuff. He goes, eh, she's my next door neighbor. Let me make a phone call. And within three <laughs> hours, I was on the phone with Lolita Davidovich, which, you know, a uh, 15-year-old boy inside me who saw Blaze at a very young age <laughs> was just kind of giggling a lot because it's like, oh, oh, my God. And she was the sweetest, nicest, most talented, just giving person that, uh, you know, uh, I could ever have hoped to have worked on. And when you're doing your first movie, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it, it's kind of tough. You know, you basically you're surfing a tidal wave and you just want to stay up for as long as possible because you're going to go under. You're going to get knocked down and rolled on the on the ocean floor. So the goal is to just make it through as much as you can before you just, you know, break down weeping and crying. Because this has been a long time coming. I mean, you've got a great history of working with shorts. You've got a great history of writing other features. Um, you worked on Shit's Creek as a story editor for a long time. Why was this going to be your first feature? You know, it, it, it's always that thing of I, I always wanted to, I'd made my living as a writer. And I always wanted to try directing because, you know, you write something and you see someone take it, and you know, it's basically you hand off your baby and then someone else raises it. And then you see it as a teenager and you're like, wait a minute, hang on. It wasn't goth when I gave it to you. What the <laughs> hell is going on here? So for me, it was I want to try my hand at it and see if A, I'm any good at it and B, if I actually like it and enjoy doing it. And uh, then I found my lovely Canadian producer, Tony Wask, and he said, I want to do something. And I said, here are seven scripts I've written over the years. Pick one. And this is the one he liked. And then it went through the, oh, it went through the Canadian film comedy exchange program. You know, if you write a movie in Canada, it has to go through 15 different government programs. So you get people to buy into the, the process so they'll give you more money so you can eventually finish the damn thing. And uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is how it popped out. And this is where we are. Now, when you're writing your movies, do you write to the idea of a budget? Like, you've got a heist element to this film and that you're trying to accomplish a task with a break-in. <laughs> yeah. You do a really great job of, like, escalating the attempts in, like, all the different ways that happen. Because, I mean, you're a good writer. That's yeah. how that works. But, like, when you're writing to budget, you're like, all right, so we can't have him come through the side of the of the stadium with a bulldozer. So what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't want to uh, write anyone repelling off Big Ben because you probably just don't have the budget for that. But... Because we were going back to Winnipeg and I, was, I thought, okay, I'm from there. I have some connections. So we got in touch with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who said, yeah, we can give you the stadium for three days because uh, there was nothing going on there. So it's like, okay, that's where this is going to happen. Uh, you know, the, uh, trying to get the ashes sprinkled on the, uh, on the field of, uh, of the deceased father's favorite team. Uh, if it hadn't been there, it would have been the Winnipeg Gold Eyes Baseball Stadium. <laughs> it wouldn't have been a lovely stadium, great team, great people, but not quite the grandeur we were looking for. And if that hadn't worked, we may have jumped in a truck and driven out to Saskatchewan. You know, it's uh, there are certain elements of the script that could have taken place anywhere as long as it was a big sort of sporting field kind of thing. Uh, so give, given that, uh, that was, I'm sorry, I don't even know if I've answered your question, but yeah, that was... That was what I was keeping in mind. It's like, all right, we need a field with lines on it that you can throw human remains on. And, you know, <laughs> the, the bigger we can get, the better off we'll be. And then if we can't, you know, we'll just have to look around and find it somewhere else.
Yeah, you need a long enough thing for Justin Bartha to run across and then get tackled at the knees. So it's very important. <laughs> well, you know, like any great romantic comedy, there's slow motion running in this. So, yeah. Exactly. Well, the other yeah. thing I'm curious about is the way you sort of, um, I mean, it's a very dark story and a lot of comedians come from a very Stop dark place. saying it's dark. It's not it's that dark. dark. It's, it's dark, reconciliation. dude. It's learning to It's so? learning to love your hot wife who you sort of walked <laughs> away from because she's does pregnant, he? you know. But that's just it. Does he learn? to love his hot wife and do they end up this is my other question because I also love rom-coms where people don't end up together do you think they, they're, they're able to resolve everything at the very end you wrote it so you get to make the final call <laughs> thank you and I really You're hope welcome. that it <laughs> through in the movie uh, <laughs> you know what you, you know what the thing is it's you can either end a movie with a with happy resolution or you can or you could go with a dark ending or you can end it with hope and I always think hope is a little more realistic in the in the grander scheme of things so yeah at the end they're together. They clearly he's crossed over some sort of emotional Rubicon. So he's, you know, I think ready to be open to what he needs to be as a father. Uh, and yeah, they get together. They're fine. There's a sequel in the works. Uh, now oh. uh, her dad dies and they, uh, you know, have to dig him up. And I don't know. No, that won't work. Anyway, feel free to use oh. this as part of your pitch package. That's fine. Always pitching. Always pitching. <laughs> Okay, so by dark, I mean, because it's not dark. I totally agree with you. I'm using the, the word incorrectly there. I think <laughs> no, more. I, lo I love dark movies. No, I, I, I'm just, I'm hypersensitive. I've been up for many, many hours already. So sorry. Yeah, go ahead. You're a professional working in LA. Uh, no, totally. The word dark isn't quite what it is. I think more you're dealing with darker tone and darker subjects, but it's dealt with a light-handed sure. sort, of, sort of way. And so yeah. then I got to ask, like, how much of this is personal? Uh, at, the, at the beginning of every screening, I stand up and say, uh, this is not based on my father. Okay. <laughs> is and remains a very lovely and caring man who is very charitable and uh, probably has not done half the drugs or alcohol that Jeff has done over the course of his life. Uh, it's Here's where here's where the idea came from. I, I actually saw a story on the news uh, many years ago about a guy who had been arrested for running onto the field of, of, of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles of the NFL to scatter his father's ashes during a game. And I thought, well, that's an interesting thing. Where did he come from? How come this was so important to him? Blah, blah, blah. And then as that sort of marinated in the back of my mind, uh, I, I came to the realization that I didn't really know my father all that well. I still don't. Uh, you know, which doesn't mean he's a bad person, but you know, in, in the modern era, everybody is, you know, you're supposed to be best pals with your dad and he's my best friend. It's like, hell no, 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 no. My dad is just my dad. He is my father. And I don't know who his best friend is. I don't know who else he talks to. You know, he, he has a whole life. I assume that is separate and divorced from anything I, as his child actually know about. So those two things sort of came together in a, in a hopefully not a shotgun marriage, but I was like, okay, what if some kid who was estranged from his father really wanted to find out a little bit more about him and then this device is kind of dropped into his lap where, you know, if he scatters the ashes on his father's, uh, the field of his father's uh, sports, favorite sports team, then, you know, good things would, would happen to him. But there's also a secondary reason why he's doing it, which is to figure out who his dad actually was and hopefully find out that his dad wasn't the asshole that he always thought he was. Like maybe there was some kernel of redemption that he will get to hold on to and go, oh, okay. And then as it turns out, well, you'll have to see the movie. So there you go. <laughs> 
I may have tipped my hand already, but well, <laughs> yeah, it's a Canadian uh, Canadian distribution pattern. We played Calgary for two weeks. Uh, we're going to play Winnipeg for about a week, and I think we start in Toronto uh, on Friday. I'm not entirely sure. That's right. You're starting this Friday. And then after that, do you guys have a streaming service lined up yet? We are on Showtime down in the States, have been for a little while. Uh, we are... Uh, we, we, you know, Canadian production sold into every different territory out there, but Fox International picked it up for distribution overseas. And there will be other opportunities in terms of video on demand and that sort of thing. And uh, what's the big, uh, uh, is it uh, Super Channel? Does that still exist in Canada? No, that's it, not a thing anymore. We've got, what uh, is we've it, got Crave? the movie network. Yeah, Crave and the movie network <laughs> okay, are I, our two big ones here. It'll it, Yeah, it'll be on one of those about a month after uh, it finishes its theatrical run. Uh, in theaters. Beautiful. Uh, and then I've just got two more questions for you. You've heard the show. You know what's coming. First and foremost, do you have a Canadian <laughs> film you would like to recommend to our listeners? Well, if you haven't seen Young People Sucking yet, <laughs> I'm just it's so happy so I got to say that. Uh, <laughs> it, it is so good and a great example of what you can do with really talented actors and a great script and like zero budget. Because I think that thing had like five sets. <laughs> And then, and then some lovely shots of the exteriors of buildings. And it was just, it was when I saw it, I was, I was laughing all the way through it. It is a terrific movie with terrific Canadian talent that have gone on, or uh, who knows, because I've been down here for such a long time. But a lot of them were in uh, a show on the CW network called The LA Complex, which is probably getting a reboot right now. Uh, so if you haven't seen it and you're into sort of the raunchier stuff, uh, find it, dig it up. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Oh, yeah. Aaron Abrams is a big part of it. Uh, we're big fans of him and Jeremy Lalonde as well, I think, had a hand in it, too. So if people like them, you know you're in the right hands. Yeah. Oh, and uh, uh, fleeting nudity, I might add. So oh, you yes. got uh, you get to laugh and you get to uh, you know uh, perfect your male gaze. <laughs> Excellent. And then my second question is, and you're in the States, so this might not be quite as applicable, but what do you think Canada needs more of in order to support its artists? Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I promised my producer I wouldn't say so many of the things I'm thinking of right now. Uh, <laughs> I think you need a... <laughs> I'm not sure the current system of funding films works as well as it might. Some great films come out of Canada. Some films come out of Canada that you see them and you go, why the hell did anyone ever put any money into this? This does not make sense. This is not a Canadian show per se, even, you know, and we sort of, we didn't really fall into the same trap, but, uh, you know, we had our American actor who had to come up and, you know, uh, give us the entree into financing. And I totally get that. But when you look at the broader scheme of things, and I'll give you one example that has nothing to do with feature films. Uh, you know the show Vikings? Oh, yeah, I know it. Right, right. Lovely show. I don't know how that qualifies as a Canadian show. Yeah. And yet it gets, uh, I'm sure it gets lovely tax credits. It gets, you know, it's put up for Canadian awards. It's all this stuff. And I'm like, there's something wrong with our system when something like that qualifies as Canadian content. And I'm not saying don't make it. I watch it. I like it. But there's this part of me that's like, you know, come on, can't we do something that's just a little more tied to what the actual Canadian experience is as opposed to, you know, hordes of marauding Vikings doing <laughs> nasty things to various people. And I'm not saying everything has to be Little Mosque on the Prairie or set in Toronto or set in Montreal or set, you know, I, I care so much about the location, but, you know, tell me an authentic 
story that is uh, at least possibly Canadian and certainly not, you know, Vikings, unless you do the whole Leif Erikson thing where he came over and discovered Newfoundland. I mean, if you said it there, then fine. It's the first Canadians or the second Canadians uh, uh, treaty stuff, et cetera, et cetera. Sorry, that's long and rambling, but I, that's part of my problem. If you if you if you redirect some of the money from some of the tax credited co-productions towards stuff that is more obviously Canadian, I think you're going to be in a better shape. I wanted to do this as a purely 100% Canadian production. I wanted to do it with just all Canadian actors and just, you know, like, let's go, right? Let's see if we can do it. And that's always a dream. And then the money people come in and go, nope, uh, <laughs> there's no market for stuff that is strictly 100% Canadian. Uh, so you're not going to be able to find the, uh, the bridge financing and the gap financing you need to actually just put the actors in it that you want. And, you know, the line is that Telefilm will always give you just enough money to almost make the movie you kind of want to make. And that's tough, too, you know, because uh, their thing is, you know, great, we're giving you half, go out, find the rest to prove the worth of your concept. And sometimes, uh, you know, the marketplace just doesn't want to give that to you. People have amazing answers for this, and so I'm trying to compile them all to be like, all right, what actually is the core of the problem? Because everybody's got, like, similar answers, so it's mm -hmm. really interesting, especially if you're, you know, coming up from L.A. And, and hearing so many of these people want to cast Canadians. We want to work with Canadian talent. We want to make Canadian shows. You can't in with a system that's meant to encourage this. I mean, our crews are making it up mm -hmm. great. They're all doing fine. Oh, yeah, and, and one of the things is when, when I went to shoot in Winnipeg, uh, I was, you know, I, uh, I had my, my bona fides on. I said, great, we're going to the most diverse cast, uh, we could, uh, crew we can find. I want as many female department heads as we can get our hands on, you know, 50% if at all possible. And my, my producers looked at me and said, yeah, there's a Keanu Reeves movie shooting in town. They've hired three deep at every position. So you're going to take people coming off other shows and we're going to be lucky if we can even, you know, get a full crew up and running. So you're like, oh, okay. Um, the, the money tells me I can't be as woke as I'd like to be at this particular point. So you know, the, the, yeah, there's 102 little things that, that that always get in the way as you're as you're moving through this thing. <sighs> but it's tough, you know. But you made something. It got made. It's getting theatrical release. People are going to find it who are going to love it. Like, it's just, it's one of those things. So congratulations. Good work. You made something in this crazy world. I thank you very much for that compliment. And that, uh, I will no just say this to other... In no way was that intended to be patronizing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't take it as such. Oh, good. I, I, will, I will say this. When, when, when you get to this point, uh, you know, uh, when you get to make your first movie, your, your whole thing is, uh, you know, you want to make your movie. And nine times out of 10, you end up making your first movie. And it's, uh, it's not a distinction without a difference. It's sort of a thing where it's like you have grandiose ideals and then, you know, reality hits you with a fire hose and you're like, oh, okay. So my goal is, seeing as how we're talking about me, uh, you know, uh, I, I want to try the next one. I want to see, uh, see if what I learned, you know, by going to the best film school ever, which is making a movie, uh, you know, can translate into something even better next time. Not that this isn't good. People should buy tickets. Yes, they should. Uh, and this is, this is the dream. <laughs> Colin, I don't want to take any more of your time. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. And uh, I love your podcast. It's great. I love to see people jumping into the sweet morass and swamp that is Canadian filmmaking. So good luck and soldier on, young lady. Sounds great. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please remember to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. 
It helps people find our podcast and Canadian media they love. Come chat with us at RCM Pod on Facebook or on Twitter at RCM Pod. Our theme song is by Craig Stewart and our show art is by Paul Stachniak. Join us next week for another great film from the wilds of Canadian cinema.